Everybody again, welcome to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast. We are in the Why I Believe series, and we are back again in this month of January. We are back again with a special guest, Brother Kevin Lloyd, is with us again, and we're just so excited about it. We told you about it last episode, and uh, last time we was on here, we did the uh, the topic of the Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? What are the gifts of the Spirit? And uh, my, that was just a, an awesome episode, and we're so glad um, that he's agreed to do this. And uh, and so without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. We've already introduced you to him. He's told us some things about him, um, about him and his family, and he's got a wonderful wife. Sister Kim's just great, and uh, my wife really, really just loves her and uh, being around them, and he's got, uh, what, four kids, I believe? Four. Yes, sir. And uh, three girls and a boy, right? That's correct. And, uh, and so he's just got a wonderful family, wonderful church, and uh, just just uh, just appreciate him being on here. And he's going to continue with this topic of the Holy Ghost. Got some more questions for him today. So I want to say right here, um, right before I ask you this question, Brother Kevin, I want to say, and I know you completely agree is that the blood of Christ is enough. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say, I want to preface that on this podcast. We truly believe that the Bible, and it does teach it, and not just because we put right. it. It's there in the Word of God. It teaches us that if you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and your sins are washed right. away, you're on your way to heaven. But I want to say this, and my pastor said this many times, and it really just it resonates. It brings it home. He said, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You are. You're there. He said, but do you want to go to heaven in a clunker? Yeah. Or do you want to ride to heaven in a Cadillac? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the big difference. Yeah. And, and so the question is, Brother Kevin, personally, to me, I'm the individual. I'm a young person. I'm a new convert. I'm somebody that's been seeking the Holy Ghost for a long time. Why do I need this Holy Ghost that we've been talking about. We talked about who he is, talked about the gifts, but now let's bring it down to my level. Why do I need him? Yeah, well, that's a good question, and I agree. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. So we're not talking about salvation, but we are talking about the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why do I need him? Benefits of salvation. Yes, yes. And so, you know, salvation qualifies you uh, he gives the Holy Ghost to them that uh, believe. But at, at any rate, uh, I would answer your question on why do I need him with, with two other questions. First of all, why wouldn't you want him? You know, people ask the question, can I go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Ghost? My question is, why would you want to? Yeah, exactly. L.D. Savage said, I wouldn't go to the stop sign without the Holy Ghost. So. I, and to say that, I don't want to leave home. I don't want to even live in my own house without him. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and then the second question is, why would you attempt to work for God without the Holy Ghost? Yes. Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, talking to the disciples whom he had already told them that their names were written in the book of life, he says to them that when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. All so, right. So in that scripture, Acts 1 and 8, 
where it says you shall receive power. So if that's how you receive power, doesn't that make the statement that you don't have power well, until you receive power? Well, so, you know, these disciples had already cast out devils before the day of Pentecost under the commandment that Jesus gave them. They were operating on the authority of his word. So there's power in the word of God. Yes. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Right. There's power in being a child of God. But there is a level of power here that Jesus tells them, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. And he made the baptism of the Holy Ghost a priority for the disciples. Right. He gives them this great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He even outlines it, Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But then after he tells them that, he says, but tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so he makes it a priority before you evangelize. That's a pretty tall priority, preaching to the lost. Yes. But before you go do that, go to Jerusalem and get the Holy Ghost. Uh, they try to talk to him about end-time events. They say, will you at this time restore the kingdom? He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. Go to Jerusalem and get the Holy Ghost. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight times that Jesus mentions to them that they need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the fact that he makes it a priority should make it a priority in our Christian experience. So would you say in our Christian walk, there's a level of power that you've already said you have. There's power in prayer, power in the Word of God. Absolutely. Would you say that there's a door that is locked up into the point of receive the Holy Ghost? Right. So when we're saved, we're born of the Spirit. So there is a measure of the Holy Ghost that we get when we're saved. Okay. And like I said before, the, the disciples were casting out devils before Pentecost. They were operating as in conjunction with the ministry of Christ as his disciples. But he tells them, you got to get the Holy Ghost. And I think the best example of our need for the Holy Ghost is Jesus himself. If there ever was a man that lived who could have operated a successful ministry and lived holy without the Holy Ghost power, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus chose as a human being to set an example for us. And so the Bible teaches us that while he's a human being, he he functions as a man, even though he's God, he's 100% God, he's 100% man. So you'll find as you study the New Testament that the miracles of Jesus were worked under a couple of conditions. Number one, it had to be the will and the time of the Father. Okay, Uh, Even when Mary senses it's time to turn to do a miracle at the first miracle there at the wedding of Cana, he says, mine hour is not yet come. It, It comes within a few minutes evidently because he turns water into wine, but he lets us know I'm not working at the suggestion of my mother. I only work through the leading of my father. And so as the father led him, then he worked. And then the Bible tells us that he worked his miracles through the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter preaches and says how Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power 
who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The, the Gospel of Luke teaches us that after the Spirit came on him in the baptism, of course, he goes out into the wilderness and is tempted, and the Bible says he returned in the Spirit unto Galilee, and that's when he began to work his miracles. So he worked all of his miracles through uh, the will and the timing of the Father and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, when it was God's timing and, and the power of the Spirit was there, like it said in one miracle, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. All right, so when that happened and he stepped out to work, then he worked like he always did as one of the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in conjunction. But as a man, he waits for the power of the Holy Ghost to manifest. That's how he worked his miracles. Even Jesus said that. He said, I cast out devils through the Spirit of God. And so if Jesus, if he worked his miracles through the power of the Holy Ghost, how can we expect to have any successful ministry without the power of the Holy Ghost? He said it himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he lined out all of those things there. So now we're the body of Christ. So if that first body of Christ needed the Holy Ghost, how much more right. do we need the Holy Ghost? If we're the body of Christ, I mean, everybody realized they could go touch the body of Christ and make contact with God. So if we're the church, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost if we are going to be the body of Christ like he was. That is such a great comparison right there in the scripture um, that I think just beautifully enforces how much Jesus was so strong on the fact that you needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's John 16 and 7 where he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Uh -huh. And that truth is, it is expedient for expedient. you. And I love, you know, I'm just a young preacher, you know, I'm only 30, but... I love looking up the Hebrew and Greek. And so I looked up the Greek right here, expedient. We, we know what that means, but the it's to your advantage. Right. It's better for you. Mm -hmm. And so I want to tell this audience that Jesus is saying this. It's in John chapter 16. This is the words. This is coming from the lips of our Savior. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is saying it's better for you. He's telling them. He's walked with them. He's taught them. He's been everything to them. Yes. And he says, it's expedient for you. It's to your advantage. It's better for you that oh, I go yes. away. For if I not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so in essence, when I read that, Jesus is telling me, you need the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. It's better for you that I leave so you can have the Holy Ghost. Right. And then that's where we read in Acts 1, you mentioned where he says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them commanded that them. you should not depart from Jerusalem, right. but wait for the promise of the Father. He didn't give them any option. Yeah, Like I said, we're not Holy Ghost or nothing no. at all, but he was so strong in the fact that before you're going to do anything for the Lord, wait for the promise of the Father. Right Now, some have even said possibly um, that that was only to the preachers. And, but when I read that, I don't think 
that Jesus was just excluding the disciples no, in that statement because no. the writer said there was about 120 about in the 120, upper room. Correct. It was not all. I mean, you're talking about women. Oh, you're talking yeah. about men. It names some of the women. Yeah, the, the, Mary. they were not all preachers in there. No. I don't think Jesus was exclusively saying, no. disciples, you wait for the Holy Ghost. Now, the rest of you, you can wait if you want to, no. but you don't really need him. But he was saying, wait on him. Right. Wait on him. The church, the New Testament. And uh, Brother Benny Sutherland has preached a message that has rang, I'd say, all over the country. I've heard people talk about it. And he talks about the New Testament Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And in that message, just classic message, that the church, we are the New Testament church. Right. Jesus was telling us the New Testament church. I'm leaving. He's about to ascend unto the Father. And he's not going to come back until the coming of the Lord. He's not going to come back until he comes back for his bride. And so he's saying, I'm leaving the New Testament church, the church, all of us. You need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, Greater works, Jesus said, than these shall you do because I go to my Father. That is an overwhelming statement to me. How can you get greater than raising Lazarus from the dead? Right, feeding the 5,000 or walking on the water. I don't think it's greater in quality. But when Jesus was on this earth and miracles were being performed, they basically were happening within the vicinity of where that human body he was in was at. There were a few occasions where you know he spoke the word and somebody was healed miles away, but mostly they were touching the hem of his garment. They were hearing his voice. They were sitting in companies as he fed the multitude. Right. But he said, greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. And greater because now the body of Christ is all over the world. Right. And, you know, the ministry of the Holy Ghost through the body of Christ can be all over the globe at, at once. And so, yeah, I, I think we all need the Holy Ghost. It's available to all of us, not just the ministry, like you were talking about. Simon Peter clarified that on the day of Pentecost uh, when he said, The promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So it is something for us all. And I think we should make it a priority, like Jesus emphasized it. So there. the Holy Ghost, according to some others, I will just say, the Holy Ghost was just for the disciples. No. It was just for those in the upper room, just to have the gospel established, no. is what they're saying. No, that's not what Peter said. But Peter said... To you. He's talking to them in the crowd. Correct. 3,000 people that got we're, saved. We're the children. Yeah. Yeah. And to many, as many as are far off. Right. So, you know, we see them receiving the Holy Ghost as Paul takes the gospel across the Roman Empire and Ephesus and yes. Corinth and all of these other places and Cornelius's house. And, and uh, the book of Acts, by the way, has no formal ending because it's not over. That's it's right. still going on. That's a good point. And so, yeah, it's for us. Wow, that's. I tell you, hearing just the stuff you're saying, I want the. You know, if I didn't have the Holy Ghost, I want the Holy Ghost. And uh, why do yes. I need Him? And uh, and so, my next question, as you've talked about, why do I need Him? Uh, let me ask you uh, to somebody. I prayed with a man just a while back that's been seeking for a long time. Mm -hmm. 
And I've heard of those that have sought for a long time. And so to someone that is maybe struggling, someone that has prayed for a long time, or to someone that's actively seeking today, what coming from you and all your ministry experience and all your studies and, and, and everything, what would you say to somebody? How do I receive the Holy Ghost? Well, so I've seen a lot of people God has been gracious to me and permitted me to see a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I, I don't know. Of course, we have to seek Him. I've seen where people have had difficulty, and it's usually in, in just a few, perhaps, categories. Sometimes it's a faith issue. And so they they have to believe and uh, that that can be a broad category right. to address, but I think there's a lot of problems that I've boiled down to. Okay, this is a faith issue. They don't feel worthy. Uh, none of us are worthy. We're only made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, you know, a, a variety of things. God is not some angry God who's making us earn the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. He gives it to the believer, okay? But we have to believe. And Jesus kind of addressed that idea when he said, if, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, if they ask you for an egg, you're not going to give them a stone. Or if they ask you for a piece of bread, you know, you're not going to give them a scorpion or a, a serpent. And he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father Give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him. And so he wants to give us the Holy Ghost. We need to believe. We need to believe that he wants to do it. And then when it comes on us, we need to believe that this is him. Yes, uh, That's why Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I've seen people seeking the Holy Ghost and it gets all over them. And they'll have stammering lips and they'll do everything except receive it. And that's something that you find often mentioned in conjunction with people getting the Holy Ghost is the word receive. So we have to take it from him as he gives it. I think sometimes it's an obedience thing. Peter said he'll give the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. And so sometimes there's areas in our life where he is sanctifying us. You see, the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost. All the members of the Trinity are holy. Right. I think we see that when we see the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. It's not holy, 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 holy. It's holy, holy, holy. I don't think that is just coincidental. I think that means holy Father, holy Son, holy Ghost. The triune God is being praised when we see those visions in Isaiah and Revelation of angels praising God. It's holy, holy, holy. But even though they're all holy, the Holy Ghost is the one who, that's part of his name, Holy Ghost. And that's significant. I, I call him the, the chief executive of holiness in the Godhead. In other words, it is his chief duty to produce holiness in this fallen world. And so he does that. He's, he's going to sanctify us. He is the spirit of truth. And so sometimes it's a matter of obedience, and we, we have to be fully surrendered 
baptized. Can you imagine being baptized in water and not submitting to the baptizer? It's not going to happen. So, you know, when we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, there's a full surrender there. We've got to be obedient. And so that's what I would say to people who are struggling with receiving it. I would say, look at these areas of your life, because that's generally where you can find an area where you need to address something. Yes, sir. That's that. That's exactly. Um, that's exactly right. And I remember um, going back to uh, one revival we was in, and uh, the topic that we're talking about about the Holy Ghost is a very uh, common topic um, in my evangelism. And uh, we was in a revival somewhere, and there was a, a young lady, my age, a little older, probably that had been coming. Um, to that holiness church before I got there just momentarily. And uh, she was raised Baptist. She was from the Baptist church, and I didn't know it. But she had prayed that God, she had believed in the Holy Ghost. There was more than what she had been taught. And so she had came to that revival with the prayer, God, would you please fill me with the Holy Ghost in this revival? And so second, third service, that was the message that, um, that God yeah. had given us. Yeah. And it was amazing because I've seen, you know, in uh, 27, 28 of 30 years of my life, I've been in this holiness movement. And so me and you, like you said, have seen so many people oh, yeah. struggle. One yeah. individual I know of, I prayed with him meeting after meeting after meeting at another church. And it was years upon years before he just really just yielded himself. Yeah, you have to believe. And uh, just believed. And this young lady, it just amazed me. Because when I gave the altar, when I just kind of opened up the altar before everyone stepped out, she practically ran out of her seat. And I don't know how else to say it, but like childlike faith. Yeah. Ran out of her seat in front of the pulpit, just a couple feet in front of me. And it was not even five minutes, mm-hmm. and she was speaking in another tongue. Right, right. And then she was done. She yeah. had received yeah, that's it. the Holy Ghost, and she went back down and sat, went back down to her seat and just worshiped. And everybody else was barely getting started in the yeah. altar, and she had already came and got yeah. what yeah. she wanted. Yeah, so two things in that story that I've focused on as well with that lady. Obviously, she was hungry. Yes, And so blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. I call that the double desire, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So that lady was hungry. Another point I'll make, bouncing off your story, which is a great, great illustration, is that you don't have to understand everything about the Holy Ghost in order to receive the Holy Ghost. In fact, most people if they sit through and hear one message on the Holy Ghost, understand more than they did when Paul went to Ephesus. He asked him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Right. All right. So Paul realized that you can be a believer without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's Acts chapter 19. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard that there was a Holy Ghost. So Paul says, well, how are you baptized? Another evidence that we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, that's how Paul baptized. Because he's like, how in the world were you baptized if you've not heard about the Holy Ghost? So they've been baptized at John's baptism. They hadn't heard everything about Christ. Paul declared it to them. They believed. He baptizes them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he lays hands on them. 
and they get it. And they had just heard about him just there, and they received the Holy Ghost. Cornelius, yeah. Cornelius was so ignorant of the things of God that when Peter comes to him, he bows down to worship Peter. Peter says, no, I'm a man just like you, and he's preaching the gospel. He never even talks about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Cornelius has one of those unique experiences where he gets saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost all in one shot in Acts chapter 10 there. But they hear them speak with tongues. Right. And so you don't have to understand everything about it. I think sometimes people feel like, well, I don't know enough. Well, no, the main thing is you got to be really hungry. You got to be willing to obey God and you got to believe God. Those are the main things in receiving the Holy Ghost that I've found through the Bible and through the years of seeing people receive it. And so, honestly, you should not be saved, sanctified, and satisfied. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Well said. You ought to be saved, sanctified, and hungry. Yes, yes. If you're if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, yes. And uh, and so we're going to move on um, quickly here. And I want to say the devil is going to fight. Obviously, um, that you are not eligible, you're not worthy, and you already you already covered all that territory. Yeah. Um, But there's something that's very near and dear to my heart, um, and I, I felt the Lord deal with me, and not me alone. Uh, I, I'm nothing. I'm just, yeah, you know, just a, a, just an evangelist on the field trying to help folk, and uh, just want to be, want to, uh, how should I say this? I just want to be in the will of God, in my preaching. I want to preach what's relevant, you know, not just any message, but to each church. To you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that has been a burden in my heart, and it's been about this word "field" mm-hmm. being full. And I've heard several other preachers around the nation mention this as well on different occasions, meetings or Mixler or whatever. And that is that it's so easy to stand up to someone that's already filled with the Holy Ghost, to stand up and say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the most common testimony in the church today. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. Pray for me. You know, just boom, boom, boom. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. And so to say that, um, I've often said that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the surface of the deepness of God. And that being is when you go to the ocean, you see a lot of things. But there's a lot of things you'll never see until you go deeper. And so there's a lot of things you'll never see nor experience until you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then when when, when you get submerged... That baptism, that word submerged, totally submitted and submerged, and you get under the influence of the Holy Ghost, then there's a lot of things going on. A lot of things underwater that's going on you never see until you go deeper. And so I talk about the the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need to strive to stay full. And so my question is, and this is coming from when I was a young person, my question is, how often should I speak in tongues? Okay, that's a good question. So you've already mentioned, you know, a river and an ocean. And so I, I would say, how, how are you filled with a river? Jesus talked about the baptism of the Holy Ghost in John chapter 7, I believe it is. And he said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, yes. plural, plural, 
of living water. And so when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, we're not talking about a cup that's got a fill line on it, and we fill it up to the fill line. Now it's full. It's sitting on a shelf. No. And a flow is constant. No, yes. We're talking about a vessel through which there is a constant flow. So the initial sign evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to speak with other tongues. We've talked about all these gifts in the last session. So I think if the Holy Ghost is there and you're filled with him and he's flowing, there's going to be constant evidence if there's a constant flow. So how often should we speak with tongues? Well, what about when Paul said pray without ceasing? What did he mean? He meant not that we pray every moment of the day. He meant get a prayer life and don't ever abandon it. Don't ever get away from it. So I would compare it to that, just like we start a prayer life and we keep it up. Speaking with tongues should be part of our regular experience. I don't think it's too much to think that you ought to speak with tongues every day. I mean, I can't take chapter and verse and right. preach it and tell you're a sinner if you don't. But again, why, why wouldn't you want to? So we're supposed to not just get in the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. We're supposed to live in the Spirit. Paul compared this struggle that goes on. Uh, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. That's in Galatians. Modern English, so that you cannot just live any way you want to. You've got to endeavor to live in the Spirit. And so I think we should speak in tongues regularly. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's evidence of the fact that he's still working in our lives. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. No. It's not a camp meetings once a year at your no. home church. or you know, It's not a camp meeting religion. It's not a, a youth camp experience. And you know, we use that term refill, and I think a lot of people, me and my brother-in-law, Zach, the other host of this was talking about that word, how people say it and don't even realize what they're saying, Yeah, um, that word refill. And uh, if you've not spoken tongues in a long period of time, you do need refill. Sure. But honestly, you should strive, like you said, to stay full. Yeah. And if you'll stay full, your cup will run over. It's going to run over. And it'll go on everybody else. Yeah. A.B. Simpson said it's like a bottle in the midst of the sea. A bottle, by the way, without a cap on the top of it. <laughs> and he said the sea is in the bottle and the bottle is in the sea. You can't contain it. Yes. But it's constantly flowing in you and on That's good. You. That's the picture that we have. And the picture of the book of Acts, when you was talking about there's no just a direct ending, the picture the book of Acts itself gives us when Luke is writing uh here in the book of Acts, he it gives us the example. Mm -hmm. Because in Acts chapter two, verse four where we quote and preach the uh, the initial, the birthday of the Pentecostal church. Right. Where we believe they're in Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, two chapters later, in Acts 4 and verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, when they were assembled together, and they were all filled yeah. with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Yeah. And so two chapters later, now I don't know how many days and 
hours or I don't know how much time was between Acts 2 and 4. I imagine it wasn't a long time. But however much time is between those two those two chapters, which we know the Word of God wasn't written in chapters. It was for our convenience later. But as it was written, we don't know how much time was between those passages of Scripture. But they received the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues again. Yeah, yeah. It says they were filled again. Yeah. And then again at Cornelius' house, Peter, it says when he spake all the words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them. All of them. Which heard the Word. Sure. The Holy Ghost fell again. He didn't just fall one time. Right. He fell again. And then there in Acts 13 and 52, it says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And so just just those disciples again, in Acts 2, they received the Holy Ghost. In Acts 4, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. In right. Acts 13, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I think that's just, that's exactly when I read through the book of Acts, I read where they were filled again and again. And again, right? And that word just again coming back, coming back, coming back. Yeah. So the question perhaps it should not be, "Did you get filled with the Holy Ghost?" Perhaps the question should be, "Are you now filled with the Holy Ghost?" Uh, was Paul said to the Corinthian churches? He was talking to them. He said, "I speak with tongues more than you all." That's a lot of talk, tongue talking. <laughs> if you do it more than the Corinthian church. And so, you know, we see that example in his life. So it is. It's it's a living experience. I was in a state years ago and drove across a bridge that said the such and such river. And I looked down and there's no water. It's just a dry river bed. I said, they need to change that sign, not the such and such river, but the such and such river bed. So I don't I don't think God wants us to be a dry river bed where it did go. I think out of your belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. It's a flowing experience. Yes, sir. And there is a, I truly believe that. And, uh, there is something um, that that I just believe is just so amazing is that the Old Testament prophets prophesied about this day. Yeah. Of which we live in under the New Covenant, under right. the New Testament church. And when you read through the Word of God, when you think about Abraham and David and Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Elijah and Elisha and Samuel and Joel yeah. prophesied right. of this day, they longed right. to see this day. Yeah, They yeah. couldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Several people in the Old Testament, it actually says, were filled with the Holy Ghost. But the difference is the availability in the New Testament, it's for your sons and your daughters. Uh, he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Yes. And I think another difference in the New Testament is it's abiding. You know, the spirit would come on Samson and he would do something. Yes. But then it's like it wasn't there. But there there was an abiding uh, presence. Now, the Bible does say of David, the spirit of God came on him from that day forward. But in the New Testament, he was a king. In the New Testament, this this abiding presence of the Holy Ghost is is part of uh, the experience where he we sing that old song. He abides. Yes, he abides, and that that's one of the differences in the New Testament is the availability and the abiding presence of the Holy Ghost on us when we're filled. Well, I just think it's so prevalent when we talk about why do I need the Holy Ghost? Yes, they long to see this day. Yes, they couldn't be here. Right. They was not here. Right. They couldn't be here. Right. But then the angels are created. Yeah. The angels are created. 
And uh, my father-in-law has uh, spoke this scripture in First Peter 1. And uh, he spoke about, it says, when the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, what things the angels desire oh, yeah. to look into. To look and that into. word there means to long for, yep. to partake in. Yep. The angels, they'll never be the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. They'll never experience those old songs that say the angels shall fold their wings as we walk in to glory. And so to say that, the angels will never experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, they've seen the creation of the world. They've seen miracles. They, they've been able to witness those things, but they've never been able to experience. They're not redeemed by the blood of Christ. Therefore, like you said, the sons and daughters. And so I say that to say this. The Old Testament prophets couldn't. They're not here. They can't be here. Mm-hmm. The angels can't have the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So the Old Testament prophets can't have him. The angels can't have him. But we can have him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Moses, when when the Bible says that God took of the spirit that was upon him and put it on the 70, and they came rushing in because two of those guys were late to the meeting, and it happened to them out in the camp. And Joshua was like, they're, they're, they're prophesying, Moses. And he's like, would to God that all of God's people had this. Well, that's what we have in the New Testament. It's available to all of us, to all flesh. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Wow. Angels aren't flesh. Yes, sir. But we are. And it's it's for all. To as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I'm glad I've got it. And you can have it too. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. And that's the purpose of this Why I Believe series. There's people that they know of the Holy Ghost that some that have used to know of the Holy Ghost, but this is the biblical st- standpoint of why we need the Holy Ghost. You you explain to us who He is. You explain to us the benefits of having the Holy Ghost, the power, the gifts that come with Him, the benefits that come after being saved of the Holy Ghost. If God's given me something, I don't want part of God. I want all of God. Right. I want all he has to offer. And as we close here, nobody ever tops out in God. No. There's always a deeper experience you can Absolutely. go. And that's just the beauty of being full of the Holy Ghost is Amen. you'll never experience all he has to offer. Amen. And so I tell you what, I just I appreciate you coming on this podcast. Glad to. Thank you, Brother Austin. Just helping the audience and myself even. I've enjoyed it. Oh, I've had a lot just of fun. To, I've heard you preach since I was just a young boy. I'm just believing that God laid this on our hearts to do this series so that it would help somebody's. Oh, I trust it. Um, well. Just believing that not, you know, the normal person might know, yes, I believe in the Holy Ghost, but why? Amen. And we just appreciate all the listeners Thank you for joining in on Two Peas on a Pod podcast. Again, the email. Don't forget that email. We, we ain't had a whole lot of feedback. I want some feedback. I want some comments. And we might not say it on here. Tell us if you do or don't want it. Send us something. Two Peas 21 at yahoo.com. Thank you so much. And we will be back with you again. And me and Zach will be together. We are going to be tackling the subject of holiness. And boy, what a topic that is. 
the package of holiness. We got some uh, we got some special guests coming. We got a bunch of stuff going out the year. And so 2022 is going to be a big year. And so stay tuned. The next episode you'll hear will be me and Zachary. See you later. <laughs>